The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to our practice session. In our practice sessions, we invite our featured guests to show off their negotiation and conflict resolution skills in a realistic scenario. In this session, I want you to pay attention to what our guest does and not to what I do, because while they are trying to show off their skills and teach you, I'm trying to frustrate their efforts in different ways through things like aggression, annoyance, emotionality, or awkwardness. And then after the practice session, we debrief and talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what you can use in your next difficult conversation. All right, everyone, welcome to our sparring session. This is a very cool sparring session because this scenario is taken directly from Derek's book. I will be playing the role of Judy, and I am in a new position, and I'm not doing very well, and Derek will be the manager, and he's going to show us how he can use tactical empathy in this situation to to deal with a difficult conversation. Derek, you want to add anything to that? No, I think that encapsulates everything that we're we're going to do. Perfect. Okay, cool. So I will be entering into your office and action. Judy, what's what's your what's your plans for the future? My plans? It sounds like I was unclear. What would you like to achieve in your new position? Oh, this new position. Well, really, Derek, if I'm being honest, it's just survival. It, it's uh, I don't feel like um, I am getting the respect I deserve. I'm trying really hard. It doesn't seem like anything's really working. So really, it's hard for me to think about moving forward or anything else right now where survival seems to be in question. That's where I'm that's where I am right now. It sounds like we put you in a difficult spot. Yeah, you put me in a difficult spot. I this is this is tough. I this is not a transition that I wanted to make. And here I am making it. And now people are mad at me for a decision that wasn't in my control. And so now people are looking at me like I'm the bad guy, like I'm not trying, like I'm not competent. And it, frankly, I'm just I'm just really upset about this. It's I'm livid. I don't even I don't even know what to do. Don't know what to do. I don't I I don't know what to do. I, everything that I try seems to fail. I work harder that that fails. I try to meet with people uh and and get an idea of their concerns and then they they talk about me behind my back. I feel like the people in this section of the job they just they I don't know, the culture here is just toxic. And I feel like the toxicity has to come from the top down. So I know it seems like you have my back, but it kind of mm-hmm. brings, in, brings it into question for me when everybody else seems to be trying to, to take me down. So it, it sounds like you're not getting support from those within your section and you feel like I've let you down in some way, shape or form as well. Exactly. That's right. And it sounds like I put you in an untenable position. So what would have to be true? in order for you to say, I'm happy and flourishing in my new position? Hmm. I would need to feel supported. I would need to feel as though the people who put me in this position actually care about my success. It, it would be a feel thing for me. So it sounds like if we were to demonstrate that we actually had your back, that we actually had confidence in you and that we are actually going to provide you the support you needed to be successful, you would be in a better frame of mind to continue to perform at the level that we have grown accustomed to. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's perfect. This is good. We could, we could stop here. 
Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. Uh, man. Derek, you made it hard. I was, I had, I had all these plans. I was going to call you names, but, but you calmed me down too quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic job. Yeah. And, and the big, one of the big takeaways there is my cadence, my projected sincerity, my tone, my delivery are all was purposely done, non-offending. I wasn't, I wasn't smiling the entire time. I was that flatline late night FM DJ voice in order to slow you down a little bit. I used silence to slow you down just a little bit. I got in that course of that conversation, which only lasted about four minutes or so. In the course of that conversation, I got you to say that's right twice. When you hear that's right in a conversation, that's your green light. And I got it twice from you because I, I, I stepped back out of the way and I let you go and dump your emotional bucket. Mm-hmm. And I, there were there were a few things in there, more than a few things, an incredible amount of of richness in there when it comes to the the tactics that you were utilizing. But the thing is, and I think this is the brilliance of it, is that they didn't feel like tactics on the receiving end, and that's what persuasion should feel like. It shouldn't feel like anything. If somebody feels as though you're trying to persuade them. Mm-hmm. There's, there's an issue there because it, it allows them to put up their defenses. That's exactly so, right. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. The example of silence, because you let me sit in silence for about about five seconds. And if you are the person on the other end of that silence, your your mind goes through a parade of horribles as to what I'm possibly thinking. And people often stumble over themselves and, and destroy the fantastic question that was asked because they're uncomfortable with the silence. You're, I couldn't have said it. I couldn't have said it any better myself. We're in such a hurry because, again, silence does what? It makes us uncomfortable. And when we are uncomfortable, what do we want to do faster than anything else? Get comfortable again. And that is, in the, in the, in the case of silence, to inject ourselves back into the conversation. When silence is enough, silence is enough to encourage somebody to keep talking. That's brilliant. And then you utilize mirroring, which is 
just asking the last portion of the person's taking the last portion of what the person said and turning it into a question. Yeah, I forget the exact thing that you said, but can you can you give um, an example and tell people why that works? Mirroring works because it's just another tool to demonstrate attentiveness that you're that you're listening. And I'm encouraging you to go on without asking you to go on. I'm encouraging you to expound without saying, can you please give me more? And I did that by upward inflecting. I can't remember what the phrase was either, but it was an upward inflection that I deliberately did at the close of one of your statements. I took the last one to three words. I inflected upward. In essence, asking a question without asking a question. Without asking a question? That's exactly right. I see what you did there. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah, that was great. And another thing, too, that you did, which was that, that I really appreciated, was when I accused you of not having my back and setting me up to fail, you didn't reflexively push back on that. And uh, with, when it comes to these difficult conversations, Success and failure in a lot of these cases is going to be more contingent upon the mistakes that you make than the amazing things that you do the right way. And so that I, I tried to set it up in a way that would give you an opportunity to take the conversation down an improper and unproductive path. And of course, being an expert, <laughs> you did not bite on that and you didn't jump in to defend yourself reflexively. Right. And because in Judy's case, I know, or the leader knew, that they had not put her in a position to fail. Maybe they could have given her a little bit more training, but they didn't put her in a position fail to fail. They had her back. They were giving her support. But did she see it? No. To her, it was still a real problem. And it doesn't matter if the child's if, – if you know that there's no boogeyman under the bed, the child will still believe there's a boogeyman under the bed. And so it's, it's Judy's perspective that we're concerned about. If she says that we're not giving her support, guess what? We're not giving her support. If she, if she says that everybody's out to get her, guess what? Everybody is out to get her. It's her reality, not ours. And so that's why I didn't use anything to try to dissuade her from what she was thinking. I just understood what she was thinking and repeated it back to her. Exactly. And one of the things that I think people often think that they need to do is that they need to correct every statement that the person makes. And one of the things I love about tennis, uh, which is my favorite sport, is that one of the few sports where you can actually have fewer points than your opponent and still win, because it doesn't matter the total number of points per se, it matters which points you win and when. And so it helps me thinking about it in that way, because negotiations, difficult conversations, they're, they're the same way. I don't need to win every point. If that's the way they see things, okay. I can leave that perspective in, in their mind and still get the behavior change that I'm looking for if I stick to the, the format and, and maintain my form. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I try to tell folks that, you know, and this is kind of related to the tennis analogy. This is not a, uh, we're not looking for a knockout blow with any of these skills. You're not going to use that one great label that's just going to tip the whole thing over. So it's, it's when you think of prize fighting, right? Mike Tyson was one of the greatest knockout artists and one of the greatest boxers of all time, but so was Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather rarely knocked anybody out. Mm -hmm. So when using tactical empathy, when using the black swan method, it's about the cumulative effect of the skills. We're building that cumulative effect to force the empathy back on us when it's time for us to get down to brass tacks. That's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Thank you again for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. And one more time before you go, uh, let the listeners know about the book. The book 
published in February, Ego Authority Failure. It uh, provides cautionary tales on leadership, what makes the good ones good, what makes the bad ones bad. These are run-of-the-mill, if you will, leaders. These aren't four-star generals. These aren't NCAA Division I coaches. These are regular mid to senior level management people who are just trying to get their job done. And then how hostage negotiations, practices, and principles can be used in their discourse to make themselves more effective and by extension, make their organizations better. Fantastic. Perfect. Make sure you check out that book. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show, Derek. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you're liking what you're hearing, please leave a review and subscribe and tell your friends. Our goal is to help as many people as possible. And when you leave reviews, it makes it easier for people to find us in the searches. Thanks again for being a listener. I'll catch you in the next one.